We on? Good? All right, good. <clears throat> Love these sound effects. We're going to be talking about Noah and the flood this morning. <laughs> right. No. <clears throat> now, uh, as we prepare to hear God's word and reflect upon it's what we've, the passages we've just read, let us pause for a moment of prayer and ask God's Holy Spirit to lead us. God, we uh, come in this place. It's been a busy week for most of us. Thanksgiving, a time reflecting upon our blessings and spending time with family and friends and lots of cooking and busyness. And for some of us, this is just a time to take a breath and rest. And we ask God for your Holy Spirit that as we come to this place and seek your rest and your peace, that you come to us as God Emmanuel. And that you speak to us, Lord, through the power of your word. And I, I offer myself that you may humbly use me in this moment for your glory. That together we all are drawn closer in our relationship with you, renewed in our faith, empowered to go from this place and live as your people. We pray all of these things in the powerful and precious name of Jesus. Amen. As you listen to this water pouring down out there, it's getting kind of deep. Um, have you ever imagined what it would be like to be lost at sea <laughs> with lots of water? <laughs> Actually, I came across a story about that that happened just recently. In the summer of 2017, two commercial fishermen, John Aldridge and Anthony Sosinski, uh, set out to go on a fishing trip from uh, Montauk, Long Island. And um, they, as they set on this fishing trip, they set out, uh, Anthony, when they got out, headed out to sea, he said, man, I'm going to go down below deck and take a, take a nap. Rest up for all the fish we're going to catch and be ready for that. So he goes down and takes a nap. And uh, John, he couldn't sleep. He's anxious. So he stays up on deck getting everything ready for this great catch they're going to have and haul in. And as he got about 40 miles out to sea, John's on the back of the deck pulling on a handle as hard as he can to try to get it unstuck. And it breaks, sending him sprawling backwards uh, off the back of the boat. And the boat's on autopilot, so it just keeps on going. And now... John, as soon as he resurfaces, he begins to scream as loud as he can for help, but he knows that Anthony, there's no way he's going to hear him. He's asleep in the deck of the, underneath the deck of the boat. And so now he finds himself alone as he watched the boat go up and over the crest of the wave, and he couldn't see it anymore. Just, just like that, it was gone. He's alone now in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean with no life vests, uh, thinking this is how I'm going to die. You can imagine what that felt like, being in that situation. It's a true story. Uh, can you imagine any situation more hopeless than that? Or is it? While John was trying to calm down his fears about uh, uh, things and trying to stay afloat, he realized that the boots he was wearing were very buoyant. And so he suddenly got an idea. He took off one of the boots and he poured the water out of it and he then pushed it real quickly up in the water back again to, to capture some air inside the rubber boot. And uh, to his excitement, it, it, it floated and able to help hold him up. And so he, he did the same thing with the other boot and he put them both under his arms and used them kind of like as flotation devices. At least he could stay afloat for a little while. And so there was a, a flicker of hope. As John floated, he thought about his family. He began to just make it his hope, his, his goal, to, to stay afloat until morning. 
all the while realizing that probably nobody at this point even knew that he was out there on his own in the middle of the ocean, lost at sea. About four hours later, Anthony wakes up <laughs> and uh, he uh, looks around for John, can't find him on the boat anywhere. And so he, he uh, realizes he must be missing, he must have fallen off. So he calls the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard immediately starts their search. And um, commander of the Coast Guard tells him, man, there's just not much hope to find him. There's just so much vast open sea out here. I don't know. We don't know when he fell off, where he is. Uh, I don't give you a lot of hope for this. Well, John did manage to stay alive until morning. And he tried to hold on to his hope. But as the hours passed, and there just seemed to be no help anywhere in sight, his hope began to dwindle. Until finally, he, he notices a, uh, a fishing buoy. And so he swims over to where it is, and he, he climbs up on it. And now he, his, his hope is renewed, at least a little bit. Uh, he's got the hope that at least he can stay on this fishing buoy. And eventually, one of the Coast Guard helicopters came by, and they saw John waving his arms uh, you know, like that. And they, they get him, and they put him back in the helicopter. And, and uh, they say, man, we've been looking for you for nine hours. And he says, man, I've been looking for you for over 12 hours. And, so, and it's, it's just a miracle that John survived this story. And he, he talks about it. It was documented. And it's just an amazing story of hope. I think most of us, had we been in that situation, would have probably given up on hope. But John somehow managed to hang on to hope at every turn. Hope is like that, isn't it? Hope is like that whisper, that maybe, just maybe, these boots will float if I turn them upside down. What is hope to you? For some of us, hope is that first candle you light when the power goes off. For some, hope is that first day that you wake up able to breathe after you've been going through a long sickness with cold. Hope is that percentage that you do have of beating the cancer. Hope is the faint line on that stick when you've been struggling to become pregnant for a long time. Hope is that first ray of sunshine that comes in the window after a long night of tears and despair. Hope is that first soldier who makes it on the beach. Hope is hearing those words, he's going to be okay, when there's no sign that really indicates that at all. Hope is that faint whisper, maybe, just maybe. Hope, it is the fuel that feeds our faith and our dreams. It is what enables us to hang on in difficult times. And it's what we seek to celebrate during this season of Advent. Advent. It's, a, it's coming next Sunday. We begin the first season and we're preparing for that. And, and uh, Advent is a word that literally means coming or arrival. And it's a season that, that prompts us. It's marked by expectation, longing, anticipation, waiting. Of course, for many people, it's the anticipation, the waiting, the longing for Christmas Day. What we might find on the Christmas tree, but... Advent is meant to be so much more than that. For us as Christians, Advent is an opportunity for us to share in that ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah, to celebrate His birth. You know, while at the same time, we're looking forward with eager anticipation to that day that He will come again with all of His glory and His kingdom to redeem His people. Advent is the opportunity for us to set aside time to prepare our hearts 
and to focus on a far greater story than our own, the story of God's redeeming love for this world through Jesus Christ. It's a time to dig deep into that reality of what it really means for God to send his son into this world as Emmanuel, God with us. So wherever you are in your spiritual journey right now, you're now being invited to to enter into that journey, that, that season of longing where you're preparing your heart for Christ's coming and you're seeking to celebrate the hope that is found in a God who comes to us as Emmanuel, God with us. In the darkness, the pain, the suffering, and the chaos we see going on in our world today, when we feel like we're just drifting alone in an ocean of despair, we seek to hold on to that hope, the hope that God will come, that God is with us, and that somehow God will prepare a way in the wilderness. This is the hope that is always sustained. It's always been what humanity has hung on to. If you remember, you go back to the beginning of creation when God created this world and it was like God intended it to be. You had this, this wonderful relationship where God walked freely and openly with Adam and Eve. Uh, God was truly with us and humanity experienced that, that openness and that wholeness and intimacy with God. It was like paradise. But we know what happened, don't we? Adam and Eve chose sin. Separation then divided God and humanity. And the brokenness of our world that we know all too well today is the ongoing cause and ongoing result of all of that. But do you realize that ever since that fallen state, that God has been at work seeking to bring about his redemption and the wholeness and the healing of this world? That's the overall story of the Bible. Throughout it, we can see how God has continually tried to be at work in our world, reminding people that of the hope that he is still at work. He's still with us. He's not forsaken us. He is God with us. We see this in the whole story of the Bible, you know, that covenant that God established with Abraham. He says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And then he rekindles that hope when he meets Jacob at Bethel. And he reinforces the hope that's found in his faithfulness when he said, I will not leave you alone until I have done what I have promised. Within many years, many generations, even centuries passed. And the cry became from the people, How long, O Lord? How long will it be before you fulfill your promises, your covenant? When you read the stories of the Bible from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to David to Elijah and Elisha and uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah and all the others, you see this reoccurring history, one of obedience to God, then disobedience, one of faithfulness and, and devotion to God, and then one of neglect of God, one of, one of uh, prosperity, then, then recession, uh, famine, then feast, and pleasure and pain. You see, all this is going on, and when you read those stories, you realize that the Hebrew people really were no different than us. When everything in life was going well, they forgot about God, and when things started to go bad, then they remembered God. And they cried out to God, help us, O Lord. Yet through it all, there was this deep longing. They, they, they wanted God to fulfill that covenant and the promise of a Messiah that he was going to send them. They would make everything okay. 
And that wasn't just a wishful idea that kind of entered in and out through Israel's consciousness and culture. This was the deep hope that sustained them and encouraged them through centuries of of waiting, uncertain waiting. It was in the midst of that long journey of hope that the prophet Isaiah sought to rekindle that hope amongst the people of Israel. Isaiah is kind of the, the poster prophet for Advent because uh, God spoke so many of those beautiful words about the Messiah and the coming and, and uh, deliverance through Isaiah's words. We hear he's very popular during Christmas season. You're going to hear a lot of his uh, words used. Uh, we even hear it in George Frederick's Handel, the Messiah. Many of the hymns that we sing are words from Isaiah. We had some sung this morning. Uh, Isaiah lived 700 years before the time of Jesus. But he gave us so many of those beautiful words that are part of our Christmas celebrations and the season of Advent. They ring with the hope of the coming of the Messiah. Listen to some of these words. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then these beautiful words. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Can you imagine the hope that those words uh, helped those people of ancient times feel? Can you just imagine what that helped them to feel like? And did Isaiah understand the meaning behind all of his promises and prophecies? I mean, on one level, yes, but on other levels, probably not. I mean, he clearly did not understand God's timeline for the Messiah. But in spite of all that the people were going through in those days, and he was going through, Isaiah remained a person of deep hope. God's promises fueled him and the people of Israel to hold on to that hope for centuries. And it was his vision of hope that fuels our hope, that vision of God with us. That's the hope we hang on to even today. Then you get to the New Testament and we encounter that story of Zechariah in uh, Luke's gospel. Zechariah would have been well acquainted with these words of uh, prophecies of Isaiah and the promises of God because after all he was a priest. And he undoubtedly held these deep longings for the Messiah to come as well. But um, Zechariah was in a little bit of a shock, (laughs) to say the least, when out of the blue, on an ordinary day, uh, suddenly he gets this visit from an angel and God drops this mega dose of hope into Zechariah's life. Uh, You remember that, I I mean, picture this. It's been 400 years since anybody has heard a clear word from God. 400 years. And now an angel shows up and tells Zechariah that you and your wife are going to have a son. And you remember uh, the words that were given here. He will go before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the parents to their children and disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Isaiah was a little in shock, to say the least. He just couldn't get over that part about we're going to have a baby, (laughs) me and Elizabeth. I mean, wait a minute, God, we're too old for that. There's no way that's going to happen. And remember, God makes sure that uh, Zechariah can't say anything about it until his son John is born and closes his his mouth. But can you imagine the spark of 
hope that gave to Zechariah and to the people of that day? Zechariah knew the significance of these words the angels spoke. He knew all about the promises of the, uh, the Messiah. Now, suddenly, that hope had been rekindled. The prophecies of old are actually going to come about. The one who was going to come in the spirit of Elijah and prepare the way for the Messiah, he was actually coming. Hope in Israel had now been rekindled. Hope on all earth had been rekindled. That's the Christmas story. You say, oh, well, that's, that's nice. We celebrate every year. It's nice that those ancient people had that uh, ray of hope in their world today. But wait a minute. What, what about me? What about us in our world today? What hope do we have to hold on to? Where's God's word for us? I mean, those people, uh, they weren't dealing with um, fighting cancer. Now, those people didn't have a spouse that's fighting in a war halfway across the world. You don't know if they're going to come back or not. They didn't have a, a parent that left them when they were a child. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't lose their job without warning, with bills to pay and debts piling up and kids expecting Christmas gifts and you know, bills to put on the table. Listen, no matter what problem or pain you may be going through, no matter what season of darkness and despair you may be facing, the the message is still the same. Don't abandon hope. Don't abandon hope because hope is still alive. No matter what you're facing, no matter what hopeless circumstance you may be encountering, hope is still alive because God is with us. How do you know that's true? How do we hold on to hope when we find ourselves feeling like we're on the verge of giving up? Well, I think there's several ways that we can rekindle our hope in this Advent season. I want to lift these up to you and hope that you'll put these into practice during this uh, season that uh, is upon us. The first source of hope, I think, that we find in this season is simply comes from God's Word. Uh, part of the way that we experience that hope of God with us in today's world is through the written Word of God. God's Word, the Bible... I know it's kind of an outdated book for many people, but it contains the promises of God for the people long ago and for us. It, uh, it, it reminds us that no matter what we're facing, no matter how bleak the future seems, no matter how painful the circumstances we're going through, that God will not forsake us. He will never leave us or forsake us, and there's nothing that can separate us from God and from his love for us. I mean, hear these beautiful words in Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in, in the depths, you are there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Can you feel the hope in those words? We are not alone. God with us means that God is always with us. And nothing, not angels or principalities, not height or depth, nor anything else in all of creation, as Paul says, is able to separate us. They can't take that away from us. That God, the hope, that he's always with us. God's word in scripture contains all these beautiful promises, the covenant, 
uh, the stories, the promises that had the ability to rekindle that hope within us, that we're not alone, no matter what. God will never forsake us. He's always there. So in this season of Advent, I simply want to encourage you to find time, set aside time somehow. I know it's a busy, crazy, chaotic uh, season we're fixing to enter, but make the point now, the discipline of either daily devotionals, Advent wreath candles in your home, uh, scripture that you're reading on a regular basis. Dig deeply into God's word with expectation because there you will find the hope that you need renewed in the God who is with us. A second way that I think we can rekindle hope is to focus on who God really is and who God promises to be. There's a a wonderful story in Mark's Gospel. It's a wonderful story of hope. It's about a woman. um, We don't even know her name, but she had a bold hope. For 12 years, this woman suffered from some bleeding disorder. We don't know really what it was. Uh, No one was able to help her. Uh, Doctors tried. It only got worse. This is a condition that affected every area of her life. And those of you who have terminally ill misses or you have loved ones that have that, you, you, know, you kind of can relate to that. It affected every area of her life. And on top of that, she was considered to be an outcast, uh, as unclean by the law because of this condition. And so it was really a tough place to be. Even people who might try to understand what she's going through, they couldn't. I mean, she didn't even understand the situation herself. But she had heard about this Jesus. She'd heard the stories about his healing, about his love. And when she heard that Jesus was coming to town, her hope finally was rekindled within her. And this hope of the promise of healing, of new life, it drove her to action. If this Jesus is who he really says he is, then he can heal me. If I could just get close enough to touch the the hem of his garment, I know that I will be healed. It was a bold hope she had. And her hope and belief in Jesus was not in vain because Jesus turned out to be everything that he had promised and even more. The healing, the peace, the freedom that he gave her changed her life forever. People, this is who God is. True to his word, he fulfilled Israel's hope in a savior when he came as the Messiah on that first Christmas morning. He fulfilled all of humanity's hope of victory over death when he was resurrected on that Easter day. And there will be a day when he will ultimately fulfill all hope, when he brings God's work of restoration and healness to all of creation because he was and he still is God with us. Because of who he is, we can have hope in him. And finally, a third way I think we can find hope in this season is to focus on God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. How how have you experienced God's faithfulness in your life? What are those moments, those memories you have of times when God was at work in your life and undoubtedly you knew that it was God at work in your life? It may have been recently. It may have been a long time ago. But in that moment, you knew that this was God's presence. This was God at work. Now you may ask, what does that have to do with hope? Well, the truth is, Memories of God's faithfulness have a lot to do with our ability to have hope. Listen to these words from Jeremiah from a book called Lamentations, which I'm sure you read quite often. It says, Yet this I call to mind. Therefore, I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. 
for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, the one who seeks him. It is good to quietly wait the salvation of the Lord. Did you catch that first line there? Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Jeremiah understood that we're able to have hope in the future when we remember God's faithfulness in our past. Recognizing God's faith in the past can increase our hope for all that God will do in the future. I think this is part of the wisdom of getting older in life. We have the ability to look back over our lives and see how God has sustained us and carried us and walked with us through even the darkest of times. And recognizing that, remembering that, enables us to face whatever we're going to face today or tomorrow with a sense of that hope. So like Jeremiah, we call these things to mind and therefore we have hope. As I said, hope is the fuel of our faith and of our dreams. It's what keeps us hanging on when times get dark. It's what we long for, what we seek during this season of Advent. Hope based upon God's word that contains his promises. Hope that is based on who God is. And hope that is based upon God's faithfulness. I don't know where you are in your journey of life and spiritual walk. But in the words of the Apostle Paul, may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. Let us pray. God, we live in a world that is scary. A world that at times is bereft of hope. There are things going on in the lives of loved ones and even our own lives, God, that just would seem um, overwhelming and it's dark and we can't see the light. I just pray for each person here who may be walking in darkness. I, I pray, God, that you would shine your light of hope within us and help us in this season, Lord. It's, it's so crazy, the season. We so often miss it and we lose the meaning of it because we get so busy and chasing the wrong things. Help us to focus on your message of hope, that you love us and you're with us. There's nothing we face that we have to face alone. Thank you, God, for your love for us and for the hope you bring. We pray for it all of us in Jesus' name. Amen.